It's what we said we'd do. Because I was in love with you. The history of the Rainbow Minute. Tom Dooley sails to infamy. Coming up on the Rainbow Minute. They say that our public schools have become what are essentially grooming centers of gender identity radicals. They say it's appalling, frightening, disgusting, and despicable. They say that those who disagree are groomers and pedophiles. You're going to lose. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. Alabama bans divisive instruction and gender-affirming care. Time runs out for Tom Dooley and the Rainbow Minute. And well-groomed queer youth denounce despicable politicians. All that and more this week now that you've chosen This Way Out. I'm Sarah Montague. And I'm Wenzel Jones. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending April 16th, 2022. Alabama took the most anti-queer U.S. state prize this week. Republican Governor Kay Ivey signed both a don't-say-gay bill and a law making gender-affirming health care a felony. Alabama's ban on the discussion of divisive concepts in public school classrooms began as a trans bathroom ban. It confined students, staff and visitors to sex-segregated campus facilities that correspond to the gender listed on their birth certificates. The Republican-dominated legislature hastily scrawled Don't Say Gay on the bathroom door. That addition stipulates that divisive concepts be handled with age-appropriate instruction, but does not define what that is. The Alabama Vulnerable Child Protection Act is even more egregious. It not only outlaws medically approved gender-affirming care for transgender young people, it makes it a felony for medical professionals to provide such care to anyone under the age of 19. Convictions carry up to 10 years in prison and a $15,000 fine. Alabama is the third U.S. state to ban gender-affirming care for trans youth, but the first state to criminalize it. At least two lawsuits have already been filed in federal court challenging the criminalization of medically approved gender-affirming care for trans youth. Tennessee's current legislative session ends this week without passing a bill to create a heterosexuals-only marriage law. Sponsoring Representative Tom Leatherwood got the approval of a House committee to move his proposal to summer study. His controversial measure had already raised the temperature on both sides of the Republican-dominated legislature. Religious conservatives like Leatherwood have been trying to circumvent marriage equality ever since the U.S. Supreme Court's Obergefell decision in 2015. The far-right Republicans' original bill to create a separate but equal heterosexual alternative was mocked nationally for not including age provisions, an omission that would have opened the door to child brides. There's no guarantee that Leatherwood and other supporters of the bill won't try again in Tennessee's next legislative session. Marriage equality did chalk up a 25th state in Mexico this week. Jalisco's civil code now defines marriage as the union of two people, freely and in community, with respect, mutual help, and equality of rights and obligations, according to the Spanish news agency EFE. 26 Congress members voted in favor, and 10 were opposed with one abstention. Perhaps the best-known city in Jalisco is its capital, Guadalajara. 
Mexico's Supreme Court ruled in 2015 that state marriage equality bans were unconstitutional. The ruling left it to the states to decide how to eliminate those bans. Some accomplished the changes in court, others did it legislatively. The Federal District of Mexico City predated the Supreme Court decision by passing a marriage equality law in 2009. Six of Mexico's 31 states have yet to follow the high court order. Back in the U.S., Virginia's Department of Education shall develop and make available to each local school board model policies for ensuring parental notification of any instructional material that includes sexually explicit content. Sound familiar? Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin signed his state's version of a Don't Say Gay bill this week. The department has until July 31st to write the policies, and local school boards must adopt them no later than January 1st, 2023. As usual, the law fails to define sexually explicit. Critics warn that it seems to ban any discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity in public schools, and that includes acknowledging the existence of queer students or families headed by LGBTQ parents. Maryland's General Assembly is moving in the opposite direction with its Inclusive Schools Act. It bans state-funded schools and county boards of education from discriminating against students on the basis of race, nationality, sexual orientation, gender identity, disability, and other identity markers. Retaliatory actions against anyone who files a discrimination complaint are also prohibited. This week's vote in the House of Delegates was 96 in favor and 36 opposed. It's already cleared the state Senate. The bill now heads to Republican Governor Larry Hogan, who has 30 days to sign, veto, or let it become law without his signature. Maryland's minority students have needed support for a long time. The Baltimore Sun did a major report in 2020 on the racial harassment endured by blacks on school campuses. The Washington Blade points to that issue as fueling the new legislation, although the measure is indeed inclusive of homo and transphobia. Majority Republicans in the Kentucky legislature overrode Democratic Governor Andy Beshear's transports ban veto this week. The contest to block transgender girls and women from competing against cisgender females on school teams was not even close. Lawmakers in the Senate voted to override by a vote of 29 to 8. It was 72 to 23 in the House. The bill covers sixth grade through college. Kentucky now joins Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, South Dakota, Texas, Tennessee, Utah, and West Virginia with transports bans enacted. Most specifically target trans girls and women. Some bans are on hold while legal challenges proceed through state and federal courts. Governors in Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, and North Dakota have successfully vetoed such bills. Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison would like to see a national ban on transgender girls and women in school sports. This week, the Conservative Christian reaffirmed his support for Liberal Party backbencher Claire Chandler's proposed bill to do just that. It's also championed by local Morrison-backed Liberal Party candidate Catherine Deves, a founder of the group Save Women's Sport. Morrison first voiced his encouragement for a national trans girls and women's sport ban in February. He told an April 11th press conference that his position has not changed.
I think I've already conveyed my own personal view on these matters and uh, I welcome Catherine Deeves' uh, selection and I was very pleased to play a, a role in that. I, I think she's raised very important issues and I think Claire Chandler has also been very outspoken and brave on these issues and, and I share their views. And uh, you have more to say about that at another time than, than, I, than I will. Well, I'll, we'll deal with that another time. Not coincidentally, Morrison has called a federal election for May 21st. Polls currently suggest that his coalition government's re-election is in serious danger of falling to Anthony Albanese and his much more queer-friendly Labour Party. Finally, here's a secret of Dumbledore that won't be revealed if you live in China. It was you who said we could reshape the world. It's what we said we'd do. Because I was in love with you. That's what Jude Law, as protagonist Albus Dumbledore, and Mads Mikkelsen, as his antagonist Gellert Grindelwald, really say to each other in the latest installment of the Harry Potter franchise, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. However, that last line... Because I was in love with you. Along with another that has Dumbledore saying, The summer Gellert and I fell in love, have been yanked by Warner Brothers and about to Chinese censors. It's just the latest example of escalating censorship by China's media authorities of LGBTQ-related material. Portrayals of so-called sissy men have been banned, and scenes from the popular TV sitcom Friends that referenced anything gay have been deleted. Censors entirely eliminated the existence of a leading male character's ex-wife and her lesbian partner. China is a fertile movie market, and Warner Brothers did not want the release of The Secrets of Dumbledore blocked. The bottom line trumped any high moral ground. One fan on China's social media site, Weibo, condemned the cuts as defiling a classic. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending April 16th, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can read the transcript and listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm Wenzel Jones. Stay healthy. And I'm Sarah Montague. Stay safe. This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Thank you. Some give a little each month. Some make a larger annual contribution. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. You ain't going to get this nowhere else. And that's the truth. Oh, my. Today, we'll be looking at Florida's Don't Say Gay Law. Sorry, I mean Florida's new parental rights in education law. Students speak out about what they're being protected from after we exercise the right to a queer education. How many minutes to the end of the rainbow? After more than 2,000 episodes exploring LGBTQ history, producers Judd Proctor and Brian Burns are clocking out at the rainbow minute. This farewell double presentation tells their story and features one of their favorites. The history of the rainbow minute, coming up now on the rainbow minute. On February 9, 2005, Richmond gay activist Judd Proctor just happened to tune in to the new community radio station WRIR. 
He was delighted to discover This Way Out, a gay and lesbian news magazine in Richmond of all places. He immediately called the station to offer his support. Judd and his partner Brian Burns decided to underwrite This Way Out and had the board operator read a 30-second blurb honoring a gay or lesbian icon in history. The first was about Harvey Milk, who stressed the importance of coming out. It was read live on the air by Dustin Richardson on February 16, 2005. Blurbs remembering architect Philip Johnson and lesbian activist Barbara Giddings followed. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Sally Holsgrief. Tom Dooley sails to infamy, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. In 1954, Navy Dr. Tom Dooley was aboard USS Montague, headed for Vietnam to evacuate refugees. Disheartened by their rampant diseases like smallpox, malaria, and leprosy, he went into full gear, treating three to 400 people a day at the refugee camps. The model of efficiency, he published a book about his experiences there. In early 1956, he was accused of being gay. His phones were tapped. Agents tracked his every move. Despite Dooley's accomplishments, the Navy quickly slapped him with these words, undesirable discharge. As much as those words plagued him, he returned to Southeast Asia and built a network of clinics tending hundreds of thousands of rural people. Although Dooley died in 1961 at the age of 37, it was clear that only one label had stuck, humanitarian. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and is recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia and read by volunteers like me. I'm Dan Roberts. Our enduring thanks to all the people who graciously volunteered to read the Rainbow Minute over the last 13 years and to Judd Proctor and Brian Burns for keeping the flame. Good news. Are you signed up for our e-newsletter, Inside This Way Out? We send them out every few weeks, briefly reviewing recent and previewing upcoming programming and deepening the conversation about your favorite international LGBTQ radio show. All you have to do to receive Inside This Way Out messages is email us at info at thiswayout.org. And be assured that we don't share or sell your email address or anything about you to anyone else, and we never will. Again, to receive the occasional Inside This Way Out and let us know you're listening, email us at info at thiswayout.org. I think it's probably the most comprehensive piece of legislation I've seen. Just don't say gay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just don't say gay. Does Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis really think he's comprehensively defending parental rights, or is he really just grooming himself for a presidential run? Young LGBTQA plus people like the Outcasting Overtime crew are among the objects of his protections who want to change the complexion of the Don't Say Gay discussion. This is Outcasting Overtime from Media for the Public Good creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Hi, I'm Tomas, an outcasting youth participant. As we speak, conservatives are brimming with anger. They've been advancing a Florida bill that they say will protect children. They say that our public schools have become what are essentially grooming centers of gender identity radicals. 
They say it's appalling, frightening, disgusting, and despicable. They say that those who disagree are groomers and pedophiles, and that right-thinking people should make them afraid, make them avoid talking about it. Them being people who support LGBTQ youth. They say that schools are teaching kindergartners about sex and gender theory behind their parents' backs. But are they? Are schools really teaching kindergartners about gay sex behind their parents' backs? Are they conspiring to groom gender identity radicals? Does the concept of a gender identity radical actually reflect any individual's reality? And why this sass in that last quote, which came from Jesse Kelly, who hosts a conservative talk show with a real kicker of a name, I'm right. Does he feel it's conservatives, not LGBTQ youth, who are being censored? Today, we'll be looking at Florida's Don't Say Gay Law. Sorry, I mean Florida's new parental rights in education law. Contrary to what the law's proponents may say, gay sex and gender identity radicalism, whatever that means, are not being taught to kindergartners. What LGBTQ advocates are saying is that school environments should be LGBTQ inclusive. And this has nothing to do with teaching things to children that are inappropriate to their age. Inclusivity means creating a safe space, taking steps like having preflex in classrooms, calling students by their preferred names, and using inclusive language. These things can let kids know that their teachers can be trusted to accept them. When we're talking about five-year-olds, this can mean something as simple as having a picture book whose main character has two moms instead of a mom and a dad. A student who has opposite sex parents might ask, why does Mary have two moms? The teacher could simply say, just like you have a mom and a dad who love and take care of you, Mary has two moms who love and take care of her. So the student will learn about families that might not look like theirs. And another student who might have two moms would feel more accepted. So no, schools aren't teaching kindergartens about gay sex behind their parents' backs. And again, nobody thinks they should. Moving on to the question about whether schools are grooming children to be queer. And yes, a spokesperson for Florida's Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, actually used that term. The concept of grooming implies that queerness is something that can be taught, a lifestyle that can be learned and lived. It just isn't. LGBTQ people have existed for as long as humanity has existed. And in this context, grooming is about child sexual abuse. And conflating child sexual abuse with LGBTQ identity isn't just factually wrong, it's despicable. LGBTQ people are not radical. They're not LGBTQ because of an ideology. They're not shoving a lifestyle down anyone's throat. And anyway, being LGBTQ isn't even a lifestyle. It's a set of natural human experiences and identities. Queer people don't choose to be queer. They aren't taught to be queer. They aren't brainwashed into being queer. They just are queer. And they often know it from a very early age. So no, schools aren't grooming gender identity radicals. They're just trying, as they should, to acknowledge the existence of people who have personal traits that are completely natural and are part of a wide range of human experience. That has nothing to do with radical politics. So when a law threatens to limit or prohibit discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity in primary school and allow parents to sue if they think that's happening, it's a problem. It's unhealthy to censor and stigmatize such an essential part of human identity and the consequences of this bleed into the lives of all people, not just LGBTQ kids. 
The environment this law will create for teachers is toxic. After years of growing acceptance of LGBTQ people, teachers will certainly now have to censor themselves and live in perpetual fear of being sued for even mentioning LGBTQ topics in the classroom. What kind of educational environment will this create? And what harm will this inflict on LGBTQ students if they're made to feel a sense of guilt and even danger when discussing their own humanity? In an environment where teachers aren't allowed to show that being queer is just a part of human experience, schools won't be able to help LGBTQ students accept themselves, and the educational environment may be dominated by stigma, threats, and bullying. And the problem is only compounded by allowing parents to bring lawsuits if they believe schools are creating an accepting environment. Some parents disown their kids when they find out they're LGBTQ and kick them out of the house. And these are exactly the kind of parents who would sue a school under this law. If parents reject their kids, even if not at the severe level of kicking them out of the house, and if schools are prevented from creating an environment where LGBTQ kids feel accepted, just who is going to look out for these kids and make them feel secure? Is anyone going to be able to do that? By perpetuating a non-inclusive environment that censors the efforts of teachers to show students the humanity of queer experience, this law will make all students feel less comfortable in their own skin. Boys, girls, straight kids, gay kids, trans kids, and everyone in between. It will undo progress. It will make students feel the need to check their behavior, to fit into the box of traditional masculinity or femininity, even if that's not how they're comfortable with themselves. And let me tell you, it's suffocating to have to hide, to not be yourself. When you take away inclusivity, that's what society imposes on everyone. So, it's just not true that inclusive school environments are enforcing a radical ideology on young students and censoring those who don't. No, inclusivity is about dispelling prejudices that themselves impose stigma, that themselves censor our youth from being authentic and living honestly and openly. And the notion that sexual orientation or gender identity is a radical ideology, it's just a homophobic and transphobic effort to invalidate queer experience and paint queer people as dangerous renegades. As I said, being queer has nothing to do with ideology, nothing to do with choice. It's a fact of identity, and there is danger in thinking otherwise. So, to Jesse Kelly and all the lawmakers and proponents of this misguided and hateful law who feel that like you're fighting censorship, you're not. It's bad enough that this law you support seems based on the ideas that being LGBTQ is a choice and that school should be a part of the effort to make the choice less attractive. But even worse, it's plain to see that your law is an ugly and cynical effort to stir up your political base with no care about the kids you're hurting. LGBTQ kids are real people, with real identities, and they don't deserve to be turned into right-wing talking points. Through your law, you're exploiting our country's divided political climate. You're using a narrative common among you conservatives that you're somehow being silenced by mobs of so-called social justice warriors, or libtards, or whatever name you want to use. You're exploiting the image of millennials using social media to cancel anyone who takes a wrong step. You're conflating demands for basic respect for LGBTQ people with your idea of censorship by a mob of liberals. Don't you even realize that this law you're pushing makes you the one censoring? Censoring our teachers from educating our youth? Censoring our youth from being themselves? And what I want to know is, do you really believe it's a choice? Do you really believe people choose to be LGBTQ? Do you really believe you're going to be able to discourage children from being LGBTQ 
in Florida or anywhere else? Or are you just so despicable that you're willing to hurt children to score political points? Thank you for listening to Outcasting Overtime from Outcasting Media, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Outcasting Media is a production of Media for the Public Good, based in New York. This piece was created by the Outcasting team, including Isha, Kim, Carol, COVID, and me, Tomas. Our executive producer is Mark Sofis. Visit us at outcastingmedia.org to get information about outcasting, watch outcasting videos, access our social media links, and listen to outcasting and related content. You can also find outcasting wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, and thank you so much for listening. No, we're not gonna disappear. No, we're not going anywhere. Just don't say gay. Gay, 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 Just don't say gay. As the Missouri State House held a grueling three-hour debate on a measure to allow school districts to enact transgender student sports vans, gay Democratic Representative Ian Mackey made his own news. He took on the sponsor, Republican Representative Chuck Basie, with a harangue that won millions of social media views, if not the hearts of majority Republicans. Mackey made it personal with some truths from his own life and the life of anti-queer representative Basie. And your brother wanted to tell you that he was gay, didn't he? Um, he was uh, expressing that to the family, and he thought that, uh, that we would hold that against him and not let my children be around him. Why do you think he thought that? I, I don't know. I, it, uh, it never would have happened, I'll tell you that. My, uh, my, my kids at that, that point in their life adored my, uh, my brother. Can I tell you, if I were your brother, I would have been afraid to tell you too. Well, I'm sorry. I would have been afraid to tell you too because of stuff like this. Because this is what you're focused on. This is the legislation you want to put forward. This is what consumes your time. I would have been afraid to tell you too. I was afraid of people like you growing up, and I grew up in Hickory County, Missouri. I grew up in a school district that would vote tomorrow to put this in place. And for 18 years, I walked around with nice people like you, who took me to ball games, who told me how smart I was, and who went to the ballot and voted for crap like this. And I couldn't wait to get out. I couldn't wait to move to a part of our state that would reject this stuff in a minute. I couldn't wait. And thank God I made it. Thank God I made it out. And I think every day of the kids who are still there, who haven't made it out, who haven't escaped from this kind of bigotry. Gentlemen, I'm not afraid of you anymore because you're going to lose. You may win this today, but you're going to lose.
Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Sarah Montague and Wenzel Jones, produced by Brian DeShazer, from Sally Holsgrief and Dan Roberts, produced by Jed Proctor and Brian Burns, and from Outcaster Tomas, produced by Mark Sopas. Barrett Strong, Sam Cook, Sean Chapin, and Queen performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This way out thanks to Kicking Assets Funds of the Tides Foundation, the Yavana Foundation, a bequest from Christopher David Trentham, and donors David Hunt and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Chappell and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on Gay SA Radio, Pretoria, South Africa, KICI, Iowa City, Iowa, WREK, Atlanta, Georgia, and a wide array of community, terrestrial, and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.